You know, I am so encouraged to see God's work in Henry's life. He began attending Freedens back in 2010. And early on, he and I would meet on a regular basis in his apartment to talk about God and to talk about life. Although after a while, he kind of drifted away. I didn't see him as much. And then one evening, I was at the Ozaki County Jail to lead a chapel service. And to my surprise, in walks Henry wearing the orange that the inmates that w- there wear. But to Henry's credit, he didn't let that humbling experience define him. Instead, it serves as a catalyst to really transform his life, to lead him to a new dedication to God. And God really has transformed his life in so many different ways. He obviously is still a bit shy at times, but at the same time, he has a new sense of confidence, a new sense of joy and peace and purpose. And it's so fun to see what God does in people's lives. And on this Easter Sunday... We celebrate the fact that we serve a God who does transform people's lives. We serve a God who loves new beginnings, a God who loves giving us hope. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Apostle Paul said, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So what this means is that no matter where you've been, no matter what type of baggage you carry around from your past, God offers a new beginning. He offers a confident hope. And that confident hope and that new beginning is what we are talking about today. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you didn't bring a Bible with you but would like to follow along, you can find one in the pew or the chair in front of you. Over the last six weeks, we've been going through a series on the resurrection that's based on 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We've been walking through this chapter step by step. And today... We are coming to the final section of the passage. And what we're going to see today is how the resurrection of Christ has incredible power to transform our lives both now and in eternity. So I invite you to follow along as we pick up the story in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, where Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself in imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, that death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, because he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so if I were to sum up this whole passage in one phrase, it would be this. That the resurrection transforms us. The resurrection has the power to transform us. We're going to look at three different ways that the resurrection can transform us. First of all, we see that the resurrection will, in the future, transform our bodies, making them imperishable. Now, we all have to face the fact that here in this lifetime, our bodies are perishable. 
And there's no denying this fact is as we get older, we see the perishable nature of our bodies. We look in the mirror and see more wrinkles forming on us. We, we see maybe our hair turning gray or our hair just leaving us completely. Or as we get older, we notice our joints don't work as well any longer. Or we need glasses in order to see, or maybe hearing aids to hear, or simply that our energy levels aren't as high as they used to be. Sometimes that perishable nature makes itself apparent in a very radical and and quick way through the form, perhaps, of a diagnosis of cancer, or of a blood clot, or of a heart attack, or of a car accident. Henry in the video that we just saw of him, spoke of his his hiatal hernia and the internal bleeding that was a wake-up call to the fact that we are all perishable. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul says in verse 50. He says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So when Paul says that flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom of God, and inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying is that we are all perishable, we are all sinful, and that transformation needs to take place into us if we have any hope of entering heaven. But the promise of the resurrection is that transformation can and will take place. In verse 51, Paul says, we will all be changed. That's a transformation. He says it will happen in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortal. And so what this is talking about is that at the return of Christ, there will be a transformation that takes place in those who've died. And and we see this idea of the return of Christ in verse 52, these phrases, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. This is talking about when Christ returns at some point in the future, that our bodies, if we have faith in Christ, our bodies will be raised imperishable. They will be raised in a very glorious and a vibrant way that we will then have those bodies for eternity. They're, they're imperishable at that point, and they will reflect God's true design for us. So the resurrection will in the future transform our bodies, making them imperishable. Now another way that the resurrection transforms us is that it transforms our view of death giving us a confident hope. Now we have to recognize that for all of us, death is inevitable. I mean, through, through healthy living, through medical procedures or whatever, we have ways of prolonging our life, but only for so long, because the mortality rate of, of the human race is 100%. And when people face the reality of our mortality, that we will die at some point, this can be very unsettling. it's even very disorienting. It causes an erosion of confidence, even for the world's most powerful and successful people. A few weeks ago, I I read a very fascinating biography of Steve Jobs. And he's best known for his work with Apple Computers. And he, throughout his life, was known as a man of incredible confidence, incredible boldness in everything that he did. Yet, as he was facing the reality of his impending death from cancer— The reality of death caused an erosion of confidence in him. Let me read for you something he said soon before his death. He said, I'm about 50-50 in believing in God. For most of my life, I felt that there must be more to our existence than meets the eye. I like to think that something survives after you die. 
It's strange to think that you accumulate all this experience and maybe a little wisdom, and it just goes away. So I really want to believe that something survives, that maybe your consciousness endures. But, on the other hand, perhaps it's like an on-off switch. Click, and you're gone. Then the interviewer said that Steve Jobs paused for a minute and then smiled slightly and said, maybe that's why I never like to put on-off switches on Apple devices. And if you're familiar with Apple devices, that is true. I know I got an iPhone a couple years ago, and I had to do a Google search to figure out how to turn the thing off. I, I couldn't figure it out. But, but what Steve Jobs is pointing to is the fact that all through his life, he's loved to be in control. Yet, when he faces this reality of death, he recognizes we humans, we have no control when it comes ultimately to death. And I think also of, of the famous TV personality Larry King. Larry King is now 82 years old. And about six months ago, the New York Times conducted a very extensive interview with Larry King. And this interview revealed that, quote, according to the, uh, the, the article, that, quote, he is fixated on death. In this article, Larry King explained that he can't see how his life story will come to any good end at all if he ends up in the grave. So what's Larry King's goal? His goal is to avoid death. He's doing everything he can to not die. One of the things that he does is every day he takes four pills of human growth hormone. And he says at this point, he feels great. And he says, if I do die, just in case I die, and that's how he phrases it, just in case I die, he, he's formed an arrangement where his body will be frozen. It'll be frozen up until the time when researchers discover a cure for whatever ended up killing him. And then the plan is to thaw him out. And so then they will be able to treat him and hopefully bring him back to life so that he will be able to keep on living. And he acknowledges that this sort of plan sounds kind of crazy. But he said at least then he will have a sliver of hope in the face of death. Now listen to what he says next. He said, other people have no hope. Other people have no hope. And I hear that and I want to say, Mr. King, uh, with all due respect, I, I completely disagree with you. I'll say, I have very confident hope in the face of death. I don't want to die anytime soon, but I have a confident hope that blows away any sort of hope that you get from being frozen. And here is where my confident hope comes from. Paul says, verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will be true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? But thanks be to God because he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is where true confidence in the face of death comes from. Death is inevitable. It comes to all of us. But Jesus has already won the victory over death, and he passes that victory on to us. Now, a key question here is verse 57. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the us? Who is included in those who get to share in Christ's victory? This is a huge, important question of who shares in Christ's victory. Well, let me put it this way. Think about a war, or if you want a slightly lighter subject, think of a sporting event. And either one of these, you have victors and then you have those who did not win. How do you get 
on the victor's side. Who gets to enjoy or experience the blessings of victory? It's those who are already on the victor's side, those who have won the victory. Jesus is the victor. And so just like in a war, in a sporting event, how, how you experience the blessings of victory in those if you're on the winning side, we experience the blessings of Jesus' victory over sin and death by being on Jesus' side. How do we get to his side? Well, we transfer to his side through submitting our lives to him by faith. That is how we experience the victory that Jesus has already won on the cross. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this in your bulletin, there's a connection card. I encourage you to fill it out. On the back of the connection card, there's a place that you can check a box if you want more information about becoming a follower of Christ. This is really the key of experiencing true eternal life and this confident hope in the face of trials and death. And you can fill out that connection card and just drop an offering plate a little bit later in the service. And we'd love to get you some information about what that means to have a life-giving relationship with Christ. Because what we see here is that Jesus gives us the victory over sin and death when we are on his team, when we come to him by faith and by following him. What we have to understand is that Jesus' victory makes a world of difference in the face of death. Back in 2008, a member of the Freedman's family named Gary Miller was diagnosed with cancer. He overcame cancer for a while, but then in 2012, cancer ended up taking his life. And I had the privilege of being able to walk with Gary and Litha and their family through this journey. And one of the things that really struck me as they were walking through this journey of cancer was their tremendous confidence and their tremendous hope and their tremendous faith that comes through knowing Christ. I would like us now to listen to Litha's own words about the hope that the resurrection brings in the face of death. Gary had gone in for an endoscopy. He was 50, and only because he was having trouble swallowing. Um, they had found uh, two lumps in his throat, and, but they thought, it's really nothing because you're so healthy. It was about six days later, um, a Saturday morning, and they called. It was the doctor, and he said, I don't have good news for you. And we sat at the kitchen table. That would have been Gary and I, and Jacob was home. And he had run two miles that morning. He ran every morning. And they said, you have esophageal cancer. We found the cancer was found on March, in March of 2008. And he had surgery October 1st. Um, we had talked a lot before the surgery and we realized how serious this was. Um, and he said, if the Bible, is a spiritual parallel for us. I'm picking Job, and that's what we're going to hang on to. That's what I'm going to hang on to, meaning himself. And I said, then I'll hang on to that too. Um, he never asked why. He said, if anybody reads the book of Job, they'll realize that you don't ask why. I think he was being strong for um, me and, and for the kids, but I also think that he was being led by God, that, that God wanted him to make a difference and, that, and to show that if you're handed something, you're given something that isn't necessarily pleasant or wonderful, that you can still praise him 
while you're going through it. One of the favorite things that Gary, he loved dessert. And one of the favorite things that he would always say to us was, the best is yet to come. He, he would always say that, you know, Thanksgiving or, or even for the kids' birthdays, he'd be, and the best is yet to come. Because we knew we were having cake. And that is the one thing that he would say was, you know what, this isn't so great right now, but the best is yet to come. And so to have communion with them and to help them know that this is his end, but this is also his beginning. The one thing that we always looked at, that Gary and I looked at, and we would talk about in great depth, um, was when was and is the beginning. You know, you think of the beginning in Genesis. Um, you think of the beginning after the great flood. You think, oh, no, the beginning was when Christ was born. That's the beginning. No, you think the beginning is when he started, he was an older man and he started teaching. Well, no, the beginning was when he was crucified and that was the end. So the beginning had to come after that, thus being the resurrection. Then it was the resurrection that was the beginning. And the resurrection being that if we accept Christ as our Savior, then we accept that he was crucified, he was dead, he was buried, he rose again. And that promise of having a new body, the one that isn't going to have pain and is going to be healthy. And we knew from, from the Bible in 1 Corinthians, it tells you, you won't have the same flesh. This would just be a seed that's planted for the new body and that you will have with God. Um, what what great hope that brings and for us looking at the situation and and where we were in our lives that was the beginning so it's pretty hard to miss what Lytha was saying there and one of the, one of the things she said was this is his end but it's also his beginning. And you look at the confidence, the hope in the face of death, and you compare that with people like Steve Jobs and Larry King and so many others that when they face the reality of death are filled with uncertainty, with fear, with despair. Jesus changes everything when it comes to death. I mean, when, when someone dies that we love, is it hard? Yes. Is grieving still appropriate in those times? Most definitely. But still, Jesus transforms our whole perspective on death, giving us a confident hope. Notice it's not just a vague hope. It's not just optimism. I mean, you think about looking ahead to the Brewers season. You think about looking ahead to the next Packers season. And with these types of things, there is this optimistic hope that things will go well. But it's still mixed with uncertainty. That's not the way it is with Jesus because it's a confident hope because... He has already won the victory. We look back at what he did on the cross and look at his resurrection. He's already won the victory over sin and death. All we're waiting for now is for him to return and to enforce and to implement that victory in fullness. But the resurrection, it transforms our view of death. 
giving us a confident hope. Now, the resurrection doesn't just impact what comes in the future. It doesn't just impact our perspective on death now. It also impacts the way that we live now. And that's the third point here, that the resurrection transforms our life, giving us an eternal purpose. It gives us an eternal purpose. Let me read for us the final verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I think this is a very profound way for Paul to finish this chapter. This has been a magnificent exposition on the, on the resurrection. And you might think, okay, Paul, how are you going to end up all this talk about the resurrection? And I think a natural thing would be to think, okay, you know what? Therefore, because Jesus has defeated death, because he gives us such hope of heaven, let's be filled with hope and joy as we look forward to heaven. But that's not how Paul ends it. Instead, he pulls our focus back to the present day and says, you know what? The resurrection has huge implications for how we live our lives right now. Remember that Steve Jobs lamented saying, it's strange to think that you accumulate all this experience and maybe a little wisdom along the way, and then it goes away. You know what? If that was the case, if everything that we do in this life is ultimately worthless because we die and there's nothing else, that is very, very sad. My daughter, Tehila, recently has gotten into building these really cool towers with these magnetic pieces. She does it in our family room. And yesterday morning, I walked into our family room, and she had just completed one of these towers. And she said, Daddy, can we leave it up forever? Can we leave it up forever? And we might chuckle at this four-year-old hyperbole, this overstatement of leaving it up forever. But I think that in that is just a little inkling of the desire that's in all of our hearts, that the things that we are investing our lives in will last, that we will make a lasting impact with our lives. Now, when we look at a tower like this, we know that it will certainly not last forever. In fact, it was dismantled within just a few hours. And if there is no resurrection, that is what the lasting impact of our lives is like. That ultimately, no matter what we do in our lifetime, that the lasting impact will be nullified by our death. And give it a couple generations, and people will forget about us. That's if there's no resurrection. But there is the resurrection. Jesus has conquered the grave. And what this means is there is a carryover from this life into the next. This is why, why Paul says, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So he's saying, you know what? As you honor Christ in your life, as you represent him well in your workplace, and in your family, in your neighborhood, in your friendship circles, in your hobbies, that will last into eternity. That will make an eternal difference. The impact of your life will not stop with your death. It will go on into, your, into eternity because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that is why... The Apostle Paul over in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord and not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So what this does is it gives purpose to everything we do, knowing that we are not serving some dead Lord. We're not just serving people on this earth either. We are serving a risen, resurrected Lord. 
who sees everything we do. And as we serve him in, in all that we do, it makes a lasting impact. I mean, I look at Henry's life from the video earlier. He, in the transformation, one of the things he said near the end of the video, he said, my goal and my passion is to help others come to Christ and experience the life transformation I've experienced. So that in everything that he does, that gives him a purpose. And Paul says that purpose is not in vain. It will continue on into eternity. And we can have that same impact, that same purpose in our lives, because again, we serve a risen Lord. So when we place our lives in Christ's hand by faith, and when we rest in his victory, we recognize that death is not the end. Because Jesus has won the victory, and he passes on that victory to us. And what this does is it gives us incredible confidence and incredible hope. Because the resurrection not only transforms our lives and gives us, it transforms our perspective here on this earth, but it also gives us the joy of knowing that just like dessert at the end of a meal, the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Because even though you were living on this earth 2,000 years ago, you are not dead. You are alive. You are resurrected. And we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen to share that victory with us. That you give us hope in the face of death. That you give us purpose in this life. That we know that the things that we do in this life, if we are submitting our lives to you and living in a way that honors you, that death is not the end and death cannot nullify the things that we do, even the mundane tasks that you see those, Lord. And that gives us hope and confidence because you are the Lord that is worthy of us serving. Lord, I pray that each one of us will live with the joy and the confidence that comes from serving a resurrected king and of knowing that our lives do not end with death, but that we have a confident hope beyond the grave. And Father, now as we bring back to you a portion of the resources that you've entrusted us, we pray that you will use these resources to help more and more people around our community and around the world through our missionaries experience the true life and the true hope and the true joy and the true peace and the true purpose that come from knowing Christ. We pray these things with gratitude in his name. Amen.